What is happening, everyone? Welcome again to The Window, Canada's sports betting podcast. Ahead on today's episode of The Window, boom! That is how you bounce back from a bad day in the betting game, even if it wasn't all that bad overall. 3-1 and one on the hard court, 3.75 units on diamond, and a pair of big wins on the ice as the one team we hoped could stave off elimination did, and Jakob Markstrom stood on his head, literally at times, to get the Canucks' attention. You're all growns up, Jakob Markstrom. You're growns up and you're growns up. Time to head to the window. Let's go. Welcome to The Window. I'm your host, Matt Russell, and we begin the show, as we always do, with Don't Look Back in Anger, and not much to be angry about, quite frankly, and actually a lot to be proud of ourselves about as we bounce back in a big way after a losing day on, what was that, Tuesday. Uh, And of course, that was almost entirely, well, it was really entirely because of an 0-4 NBA slate there, but we get right back on the horse with a win right off the bat in the under with Toronto and Brooklyn comfortably getting there. So that was a nice feeling to kind of get back in the winner's circle. And then almost immediately after, it looked good, great, wonderful from the start. Utah plus four is the winner there as we go 2-0 and right to start right off the bat. Unfortunately, gave a little bit of it back with Philadelphia. I think we've learned at this point that Philadelphia is not long for the bubble, and I think that they are okay with that. And, you know, you hate to say it, but handicapping team chemistry with regards to whether or not they want to hang out in this bubble for much longer. And I think we've sort of pegged from the start, really, that the Sixers weren't big on team chemistry. We just thought at least some competitiveness would kind of take over. Uh, And you could see once things started to go badly for them. And listen, it started out really well as their, you know, starters and early talent, early game talent came through to give them a double digit lead. And we thought we were doing okay. thought we were pretty comfortable here, especially since how close that first game was. And then, you know, once Boston starts making shots, it's really all downhill from there. And frankly, Philadelphia flat out quit. I would be stunned to see them come back and even really take a game the rest of the way in this series. And I jumped all over Boston minus four and a half, which was the opening number, which again is somehow, you know, at around or if not lower than the first two games, right? Because we were in on Philly plus five. And if you're opening it at four and a half after watching Philly just completely crumble and give up, I don't understand that open at all. Of course, this could be, you know, one of those famous last words type things. And we'll get to that when it comes to the baseball slate. Um, Then, of course, we've talked about yesterday how Dallas, you know, was going to get one or two games here uh, against the Clippers. And obviously didn't get game one, but we figured two of probably the next five here. And at a decent money line, it was worth starting to hit the Mavericks. So we got the winner there with Dallas as well. So all in all, three in one day, not, you know, the 4-0 sweep to combat the 0-4, but obviously with the Mavericks money line, 
uh, and just to get some a little bit of momentum and confidence back in what we were doing, which was really, really well in the NBA. Obviously, that 67% regular season clip isn't going to be matchable in the playoffs. But, you know, we're going to try. Uh, as for the uh, the slate on Thursday, uh, the only matinee action, as there's no afternoon hockey, which, of course, we'll get to in a second. Uh, but, you know, we do, of course, have plenty of wagers that we get to make. And so Milwaukee and Orlando is the first one, or should, really should say the biggest bet that I'm looking to make today. And you might be like, oh, okay, you, you know, looking to grab Milwaukee coming off the loss, and I'm not. I am looking for them to play a better defensive game, and I will go back to the well here with the under 227. We're getting a point and a half more than we did in the uh, game one, where it was 22, 25 and a half. I don't know why I struggle saying 220, but I do. And uh, yeah, so we're going to get back to the well there. I think we get a better uh, defensive performance there where they hold Orlando to less than, you know, 110 points, probably closer to the 105 range that again, we pegged for game one. And, you know, obviously I think Milwaukee probably wins this game. Though, you know, at 12 and a half, that's certainly a lot for a team that won pretty convincingly in game one. Of course, we're starting at 0-0, so that doesn't really mean all that much. The thing that is interesting to me, of course, is the series price at still about 15 to 1. Now, I'm not saying run out and bet that 15 to 1, but that would look awfully good if Orlando happened to win this game and take a 2-0 lead. Uh, you know, we're, we got to be ready for anything here in this bubble circumstance. And I think we've been up for that uh, up to this point. And maybe it needs to be even, you know, ratcheted up a little bit and a little bit more intensified as far as just being ready for teams to make a run that you wouldn't necessarily expect. Obviously, we have our focus on Portland. And that's sort of the other interesting game of the day. Um, probably shouldn't skip over this but i will tweet it out because it's so close to the podcast running i'm gonna run with the pacers money line but in the first half first half money line plus 130 for me as i think uh, plus 135 actually uh you know, I think this is obviously it's that second game. You've seen it with a lot of these other teams, even Philadelphia, not necessarily for a full half, but at least for a quarter. But with Dallas, uh, Brooklyn, and so on. And so, you know, I like the Pacers to come out and play a really good first half today. Whether they can sustain that is a different story. And I actually might be looking, should we end up winning this bet, I might be looking to roll that over to a degree. Uh, or at least take the profits and roll it over into a Miami live bet for the second half. But we'll sort of play that by ear. Of course, you can follow along at Authentic on Twitter for that. Going to go back to the well with the Thunder money line. Uh, again, similar story here where, you know, second game, bounce back. Same thing as the Mavs, same thing as Brooklyn. But in this case, I'm going to go full game because I think, again, with the high variance that, OKC probably needs more time to have the adjustments that they're going to make from game one uh, take effect in a meaningful way, right? Like they could make a bunch of real quality adjustments, and I'm hoping to see that from Billy Donovan. And Houston could still make a bunch of threes in the first half. And so um, I rather sort of play that out full game and see that OKC draws even in the series, a series that I think goes six or seven games as well. 
Uh, as for the, what do we got here? The rest of the series, uh, oh, right, of course, LA and Portland. I, I did, you know, obviously vaguely mention that at the start here. Um, okay, so here's the story. Obviously, uh, I'm staying away from the total here. Too many just really bad shots taken. The pace was about where we needed it to be in the first game for and over, but just terrible, just basketball, really, as far as quality shots. LA obviously didn't get anything in the way of three-point shooting, literally missing every single three-pointer that they took. So, you know, are we expecting them to do that again? Probably not. You're probably looking at a regression to the mean there. And so I think LA is the only really play that you can make. But again, we'd be giving out six and a half points. And I'm loath to do that for a team that, again, I'm just not sure is all there and committed to the cause here, right? And if Portland, you know, obviously there's a potential for a letdown. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Portland got blown out here. That said, you know, we do have enough sort of invested in Portland and hoping for the best from them that we can just stay away from this game and just kind of hope for the best. It'll be an entertaining game to watch. So it's not like those of you out here there who need the action to watch the game are going to just be like, nah, I'm out on this game. It's going to be boring, right? Like this is quickly and immediately the most interesting series in the entire playoffs thus far. So that's it as far as the NBA is concerned. Just three plays and obviously kind of a mix and match of different things here with a half, you know, first half money line, a full game money line, and a total. Um, so let's move on. Let's get into the NHL here because that's obviously we're really heating up here. It is staving off elimination time. We there was no staving to be to be had in the first three games yesterday, as all three underdogs get taken out, and really it couldn't have all come in different you know more different ways for each team right. Columbus goes down early, and but then from there on plays the best game I think we've seen from them the entire playoffs right, which is you know again impressive in that you know it's a sort of a cliche or you know anecdotal type thing here but Tortorella get you know getting that team to not quit under any circumstances they get they take a 4-2 lead and again worth mentioning the window wheel right we talked about it yesterday how you know it has its ups and downs it's a little bit like a craps table in a lot of ways right where you can get down quick but you can come back really quick and vice versa so in the case of the window wheel you know as we know we go team to score first loses we go plus one and a half and we go live betting down 0-2 and we had two straight 0-2 wins the previous night and it all looked for all the world like we were going to get a third and in this case the Columbus line down 0-2 was plus 725 over at bet 365 which often has the best numbers with regards to live betting at least when it comes to hockey and so you know obviously the rules state that we had to hit that at plus 725. Now, by the letter of the law, right, you're, you know, we grade all of this stuff by, you know, obviously who wins and who loses. And, you know, we don't do hedges and all of that kind of thing, right? And that's because by and large, most of these are, you know, plus 400, plus 350, somewhere around there for a big comeback. In some cases, plus 500 or more. 
but that's pretty few and far between because all of these teams are so evenly matched that you're never going to get a number that big. Well, of course, in this case, we did. We take a 4-2 lead, but at that point, there's still a ton of time left. And, you know, between either hedging off of it or a cash out option that's available, of course, on Bet365 and a couple of other websites out there, that it's sort of irresponsible from a bankroll management standpoint not to factor that in. And in this case, they were offering a cash out value of about plus 575. So I could be greedy and keep that extra plus 150 and hope that Columbus can, you know, keep it going here. But, you know, the reality is, is Tampa Bay's a really, really good team. And I rather just take the plus five, uh, 75, I believe it was, and, and just bank that. And if, you know, Columbus hangs on to win, that's great. We still win the money from the down one Oh, uh, bet, you know, the, the pregame prop. And that would be, you know, that's awesome. We're not going to kick ourselves because we, you know, we bought out at plus 575 and not, and didn't ride it out to 725. And of course, what happened happens. And you go, wow, that's, I'm really glad I cashed that out at, at 525. So again, that's another circumstance where I can't tell you what to do. It's certainly against the letter of the quote unquote law with regards to the window wheel. But, you know, you sit there and you're watching this game and you're going, okay, I'm invested pretty heavily in a Columbus team here that is kind of hanging on by a thread. And so especially once they give up that third goal, right? It's one thing when you have a two goal cushion, you can let that sort of play out as best, you know, as much as possible. But once they get that third goal and now we're just hanging on by a thread here, that's, you know, it's common sense, right? At some point you have to sort of, you know, remove greed and just kind of accept your winnings there, right? So that's what I did. Hopefully that's what you did as well, assuming you're playing along. So all in all, you know, again, we did we did a really good job there winning a fair amount of money on a bet that didn't actually win, quote unquote. So Columbus goes out and again, that's what we sort of expected to see from the, you know, get-go. Um, but a series that was you know, from a goals standpoint, a lot closer than, you know, the odds would necessarily indicate. So, you know, like we've been talking about the entire time, if you're on the underdog a bunch of times here, you know, you can't really beat yourself up too, too much about it. There just was never really any value um, at any point other than, you know, Columbus going down one nothing or two to one in the series where we found a little bit of value, right? So uh, not a ton of damage necessarily there um, for that series. We're going to get into sort of a bigger post-mortem from an analytics standpoint on Friday. So if you're not a big math guy and you don't really want to know this sort of secrets, I don't even know if secrets the right word, but sort of the, uh, you know, the evaluation of the bets after the fact, Friday's, you know, might not be the show for you because we're going to talk about, you know, what we've learned or what the results were with regards to expected goals for and goals against and all of that kind of thing. And, you know, what we know after the fact and what the lines should have been, um, you know, based on, you know, kind of learning the secret, right? The secret being like what the teams actually did. If we had known you know, then what we knew, you know, what we know now, what would the results be? So that's going to be Friday's show. Uh, Carolina and Boston, um, you know, not surprisingly, we talked about how, you know, Carolina was done here. They actually get the opening goal. 
which was nice for the window wheel because Boston cashes the comeback win and the plus one and a half gets there because Boston didn't get an empty net goal. So won a little bit of money there. Problem is, of course, that we were pretty deep into Carolina for the series. And, you know, again, it's all... All of these series, they come down in a lot of ways to one play, right? I know it's simplistic to say one play, one period, one stretch of hockey, right? And of course, that was game four, where Carolina looked for all the world like they were going to tie the series and we were going to have, you know, an interesting series, best of three down the stretch. And of course, no, they completely collapse. And at that point, we, as we knew, they were a write-off, right? And so, you know, they take the lead again yesterday. But, you know, you knew that they probably need a couple more goals and they just don't have the firepower at this point to do that. So not necessarily out with a whimper, but, you know, pretty much as expected. Right. So Columbus surprised us with how well they fought. Carolina was about as, you know, we expected. And then there's Arizona and just an absolute phone-in giveaway job here over the last two games. And again, in the postmortem tomorrow, we'll talk more about how, you know, that series was a tale of the first three games versus the last two games. And, uh, you know, we'll, we can speculate all we want sort of on Arizona's interest in fighting a team like Colorado who, um, you know, again, they're just throwing them on the power play in the first period in both of these, you know, games four and five was just a, you know, license for a complete disaster at that point. So all of those three teams go out, no real big surprises there. Um, Obviously, Carolina being the one that was sort of the biggest loss for us. So that made the next two games that much more important, right? We had Montreal plus 123 and Vancouver plus 124. And again, these two series are going to be still going come Friday night. And that's relevant because on Friday, since we're going to be going through these postmortems, they also sort of inform what we're doing going forward and what, you know, these series that will, will be in game six and game seven, potentially, um, you know, we need to sort of know what the information is from the course of this series, right? We talked about this week more about how we have to move from what the regular season numbers were, especially since the regular season is so far back. And we have to start really digging into and evaluating how these teams are actually playing in the playoffs um, from our metric standpoint, right? The predictiveness, right? And so with Montreal and Philly, that there's a pretty significant story here with regards to the analytics and we'll get into that tomorrow and you know but that showed out with you know kind of a surprisingly offensive type of a win but things got pretty loose in that game pretty quickly once the sort of major penalties and the double minors and whatnot started happening uh vancouver and st louis tweeted it out sort of my favorite meme joke that i've done in a while uh jacob markstrom you know he was off his ass last night, like uh, Mikey and Lorraine at the Derby in Swingers, right? He was just incredible, and you're allowed to have a really good goalie. And the thing is, when it comes to handicapping, right, like why is this relevant for handicapping? We talked about how, you know, trying to predict the goaltenders is a bit of a futile exercise, especially after a really long layoff, right? And that's obviously the case, but there's a reason that we look at goals saved above average. Would you say that Markstrom had a lot of goals saved above average yesterday? He had a ton of them. He 
was making some of the craziest saves we've seen all year. And so when you look at the GSAA, and obviously Rask was atop the list there, and of course he's bowed out, right? And then you have, you know, Hellebuck, we talked about him, and he was just under siege by and large from Calgary, and of course he's out. Kemper is, you know, was the fourth best goalie. He eventually just kind of wore down, but he was incredible. Uh, at the start of the playoffs, right? And, you know, Leonard's been okay. Vasilevsky's been very good. But next up on that list is Markstrom. And actually, ironically, Allen right behind him in the top 10 in GSAA, right? And so this isn't something that's kind of come out of nowhere, where if it were somebody a little bit further down the list, right? Like I sort of, you know, push back at the Carter Hart love because, you know, from a number standpoint, in GSAA, it doesn't really look like he's doing all that much that is any different than sort of your average goaltender, right? A little bit above average, but their defensive abilities here are a lot, you know, more having to do with the the team in front of him, right? Because, you know, third in the regular season in expected goals against was not really a, uh, you know, result of high quality goaltending. It was, you know, they he was saving about 13.8 uh i should say he was letting in about 13.8 percent of high danger chances which is literally like 0.2 percent below the league median at 14 and so he's not really you know built up his numbers necessarily and having to make these difficult saves and i you know again once montreal stops ringing pucks off the post right then they actually score goals and we had got to a point where carter hart was getting pulled and, of course, that was hilarious because, you know, he, he gives up a super soft goal that gets called back for offside. And he's back in the net as though that never happened. Well, the puck still went through you like a sieve. Like, I don't understand that. But he came back and he played pretty well the rest of the game. So I guess, you know, Alain Vigneault certainly knows more uh, about his team than I do. And certainly about his goaltender than I do. But, you know, all I can do here is read the numbers, right? And sort of extrapolate from there based on, you know, my handicapping style and my theories about hockey. And I don't, you know, again, it's not going to win every time. But, you know, we had two big wins yesterday with Montreal and Vancouver. So, awesome night, right? 2-0, two and oh, two and a half units. We kept Montreal alive. We, you know, got into sort of the catbird seat with our Vancouver series bet. And those two are very much still alive, of course. That being said, let's move it on to today's action. No day hockey. Oh, God, I got so used to it. It was so much fun, right? Like even just, even if we had to wait till three, it was still pretty good. Now we got to wait till like nighttime, like a bunch of idiots. And what we've got here is, you know, hopefully closing time for a couple of series, right? We did the, you know, stay out of, you know, stave off elimination day yesterday, or at least, you know, in, in terms of the Canucks, you know, stay out of trouble here because three straight losses would be bad news. And, uh, and now it's, let's just pack this thing in and go home. Let's get out of here, right? We, we, you know, we're on the Islanders for the series, don't have to rehash this, um, but we're just sort of letting that play out. So no bet there and hopefully they can grab a lead and hang on to it this time um they keep coming in here as the slight underdog when it comes to the plus one and a halfs and the and, and that sort of thing but you know not getting plus money with the islanders certainly doesn't make it any 
interesting. If we end up again going to seven games at that point, I think then we have to come in on the Islanders. It probably won't feel very good considering they will have lost three straight games, but I actually do think they get it done tonight. And certainly if you didn't play the Islanders on the series and you're just going game to game here, now I would start hitting the Islanders, right? I would make that bet for game five. I think the Islanders win game five and minus 105 is certainly a good enough price in a vacuum. Dallas and Calgary, you know, exact same kind of deal here, right? We've been following this along all series. Uh, We're on Calgary early. Matthew Kachuk goes out. We flip over to Dallas uh, after game two. Uh, Calgary sort of flukes out game three. We're able to press on Dallas. So now we've got a pretty heavy position on Dallas here. And again, right, talked about it yesterday. The big line for Dallas has it going, right? Jamie Benn is a presence in the way that he wasn't earlier on in the playoffs. Same thing with Joe Pavelski. I was looking around wondering if Joe Pavelski was washed, and that's why he was, you know, he left San Jose. Uh, so again, minus 115. If you haven't, if you don't have a heavy position on the series price and you're just doing this game to game, that's a bet that I would make, right? But again, we're positioned on the series. We want to get this done and, and dusted here so we don't have to deal with the Game 7. Um, you know, conspiracy theories, you know, around that, you know, the NHL would want one of these two series today to survive until Saturday for, uh, you know, for scheduling purposes would be unfortunate for them if there were if there were no games on Saturday. Uh, but that being said, yeah, I've just got the closeouts for both of these games. So like I said, back tomorrow for uh, a deep dive into what happened with the series that have been completed. Hopefully we can add these two into that mix and crunch the numbers and figure out sort of what was a good bet, what was a bad bet, you know, what worked out from an analytics standpoint pre Uh, series versus, you know, non-pre-series versus in-games, all of that kind of stuff. So that'll be the big deal tomorrow. Today, of course, it's Thursday, which means we need to get into our weekly report in Major League Baseball. Week four report, we are, what, a third of the way through the season now? I think we decided it was a 12-week NFL-style type season, and we're four weeks through. And uh, the last week was actually really good. For the squad, um, you know, what I think three, four units up altogether, maybe 3.75, something like that in the last week. That was pretty good. As far as yesterday specifically is concerned, um, started out with a bit of a struggle. Uh, the first game of the day, Toronto-Baltimore, over 9.5 doesn't get there, but St. Louis was, uh, you know, ahead right from the start with a grand slam from Matt Carpenter. And so we sort of split that early segment of games, but then we got into the money line parlay, and Philadelphia was unable to beat Boston. And of course, I'm going to take full blame for that for saying yesterday about how much money we were going to win fading Boston this year and we're still up on the entire thing but this is a perfect example believe it or not I'm going to reference the gambling gods this is probably the first time in the entire podcast history that I've referenced the gambling gods but I'm going to do it here because there were two instances yesterday where I just completely self-jinxed us when it comes to that my Lance Lynn underdog alert right? That was dumb. (laughs) Not because that wasn't a competitive game. And of course, we lose that one in extra innings, you know, making our extra innings record uh, even more (laughs) impressive. 
this season. Uh, you know, he gives up two solo home runs pretty early on in the game. Uh, and kudos to, kudos to Chris uh, Paddock, who was just as good, gave up just the one home run. And so that's a 2-1 game late. Uh, eventually, the Rangers tie it up on uh, on a home run. And we go to extra innings. They even get the run at the top of the inning. Problem is, they had the bases loaded, I believe, with none out. And at that point, right, the road team needs to get two runs, right? One run is basically, you know, giving yourself a chance to extend it to an 11th inning. But a second run is where we can start thinking about actually winning this game. And when you got the bases loaded with two out, or excuse me, with nobody out, or even with one out, right, we're, we've got to figure that we can get both of those runs in, especially with nobody out. Uh, where you don't even really need a hit to uh, to advance everybody, you know, the runner from third home and the runner from second to third and then eventually to home. And so they don't do that. And then, of course, the Padres in the bottom of the inning. And it's almost like I prefer it going this way because of the irony. Uh, Manny Machado hits a grand slam. And, of course, all of this grand slam BS talk about uh, Tatis, who had, the, who had a home run earlier in the game and probably should have just walked backwards around the around the diamond. Um, you know, it's, you know, <laughs> I prefer just being able to laugh when Machado hits it deep. If it hits the wall and they only win by one run, I'm a little bit more annoyed, especially given the fact that we didn't get that second run from Texas. The fact that he hits the grand slam actually makes me feel a little bit better about it because we would have lost anyway with that second run. Um, though you never know how the inning would have played out, uh, differently if they had gotten that second run. Um, so those are two losses. Again, talked about the Philly one kind of blowing up the parlay. And as I sort of mentioned on the podcast, if they did, I was looking to grab, a, you know, re-parlay up here with Cincinnati and Matt Harvey on the mound, uh, for KC. And so, you know, the good news is, and listen, I was going to win two win a, two units on parlaying baseball, whether hell or high water. And so we put that Cincinnati game with Cleveland and Oakland each one of those was as easy as a win as you'll ever find for plus 295. If, uh, you know, if for some reason you're listening to this and you didn't listen to yesterday, but you caught it on Twitter, um, I posted that, you know, at re redone parlay uh, for, again, plus 295. So we get there with three units. Of course, we lost a unit with the Philly Cincinnati parlay. So we netted two units the same way we sort of always intended. And then the really big ad on Twitter, of course, was Tampa Bay plus 164 against the Yankees. This Yankees lineup is obviously compromised quite a bit without Judge, Stanton, and LeMahieu. So I don't really understand why these numbers are the way they are, Michael Scott. And uh, and we might as well get right into it as far as, you know, Thursday's games are concerned. Tampa Bay plus 131. They're going with the, you know, opener, the bullpen approach. Obviously, we like that when it comes to Tampa Bay. And they're going against Paxton, who hasn't looked very good. Uh, you know, velocity up a little bit in his last start. But at plus 131, we'll take our chances with that loaded raised bullpen that they can kind of, you know, scrape it around, get it done in what might be a little bit of a high-scoring game, um, but not necessarily one that we're looking to grab the over on. Um, day starts with a doubleheader for the Blue Jays, but I don't really have any plays there. I did want to mention the total in that first game. Again, a seven-inning doubleheader game, and the total's nine, which shows you the level of confidence that the sports books have for the pitching matchup, you know, I'd say particularly for the Blue Jays, but it's not even particularly for the Blue Jays. It's literally both pitchers 
are not good at pitching. And so the nine and a half number, uh, or excuse me, the nine number is pretty hilarious. It's actually dipped a little bit down to eight and a half uh, with you know extra juice. Um, but the point remains for a seven inning baseball game, getting the same total as a bunch of these other nine inning baseball games is actually pretty hilarious. Uh, so other afternoon action, Detroit, uh, yeah, I'm back in on Detroit. Plus 142. It's dipped down from plus 150. I was just hammering away trying to get 150. And eventually the best I could kind of get was plus 142. Uh, so maybe, you know, it'll go back up and you can get a bit better of a number there. Uh, I like Turnbull over Giolito in this matchup. And again, I've been on the Tigers a little bit more often in the last week or so uh, than probably maybe I should be considering, you know, I've lost a bet. I've won a bet you know, whatever, at plus 140, we'll keep going 50-50 on these. Uh, Astros, playing a lot better baseball lately, if you hadn't noticed, um, actually have the same run differential right now as the A's, which I don't think a lot of people would think based on the fact that, of course, the A's have, you know, a couple of two, three game lead in the division on the Astros and have been the, you know, far better team up until this point. Um, But the Astros playing a lot better, and we're getting them at plus 118 there's some 115s against Colorado here uh Marquez had a really great season to start uh but Javier hasn't uh, I don't believe he's given up a home run yet this year which is kind of a big deal when you're going to play in Colorado and so you know again at a higher total here I'm less reliant on the starting pitching matchup and really just kind of looking for the team that's playing better baseball right now and I think that's actually the Houston Astros as the Rockies have come back to earth right they're now no longer first in the NL West the Dodgers have taken some control of that division as they're four games up on both the Rockies and the Padres you know Padres not dead yet but of course that five game losing streak from last week was uh, obviously a pretty major drag um, split right down the middle for Philly and Toronto in game two of that doubleheader. Uh, so if you want to go ahead and flip a coin for that one, you can go ahead, but I'm not going to play that game. Uh, I'm certainly not going to play the game of Mets as a heavy favorite, specifically even if Jacob deGrom's not on the mound. And as you know, especially if he is on the mound, I'm not doing it either. And so sure, the Marlins are interesting at plus 155. I just don't think this is the day to play them as they've come back down to earth as well, I believe getting back all the way to 500, which considering where their sort of record was um, after returning from some COVID you know, hiatus, uh, you know, is kind of a bummer when it comes to that sort of storyline. Uh, the good news is, of course, that just makes Atlanta now first place in that division and their number has moved from plus 110 to minus 110. And actually, it's probably worth mentioning our uh, our three-team division parlay. Uh, the odds have dropped on that because they've dropped on two of the three teams as Tampa Bay is now only, what, a game or so behind the Yankees. Uh, could draw even with them, I guess, this uh, this afternoon. And, you know, so now they're not, they're certainly no longer plus 300, 300 and change. Uh, and Atlanta's now minus 110 instead of plus 110. The only one that's um, gone the opposite way is the Twins have gotten a charge from Cleveland here. And now the Twins are, what, minus 140, minus 135. And they're actually getting close to the zone where we could grab them as just a lone bet. Um, and really the same thing as Atlanta. And so of the three, the only one that I would stay away from now is Tampa Bay because, again, that was obviously a lot more interesting at plus 300 uh, or better than it is now at, what, plus 150, 175, 
you know, whatever that is. Um, as for the rest of the slate, speaking of the Indians, uh, the Beebs is on the mound, but he's going up against the Pirates. So there's no value there as he's minus 250 uh, to beat the Pirates. And I expect him to do so. Uh, Dodgers and the Mariners, right? Two days ago, of course, we grabbed the Mariners at, what was it? Plus 210, something along those lines. 216, I have written down here. And they lose two to one, right? And we sort of went, okay, that was a pretty good bet. And we probably should have gone plus one and a half. And then, of course, yesterday, they do beat the Dodgers at probably, you know, pretty much around the same number. And, of course, it wasn't on them then. And so what do we do? We sort of, you know, chase here with Kikuchi plus 235 against the Dodgers. But here's what I'm going to do. I am going to relent and grab the plus one and a half at plus 135 right plus one and a half for seattle here of course that just means they're going to win the game outright because i didn't go full bore with seattle and kikuchi at plus 235 kikuchi was scratched from his last start so you want to make sure that you click on the must start for kikuchi because you don't want to get stuck with a you know a scratch pitcher and you know having to deal with some bullpen scenario going up against Kershaw which we should mention uh you know it's not a regular fade necessarily for me but at this point minus 290 is a little high uh for him against any team and certainly Seattle is any team um but you know have hit a little bit better recently so we are going to take a shot with Seattle at plus one and a half there uh Brendan Woodruff day Milwaukee minus 105 you know we like betting on Woodruff I was able to actually grab this about even minus 105 is still bettable anything higher than that we're getting a little out of hand uh Boston and Baltimore is a no for me dog Boston with Ivaldi is the kind of the only time that I'd even be willing to back them um, but especially against sort of a bit of a mess in Wojciechowski. Uh, and so, you know, there's just no, no side that I really like there. Um, always love grabbing the Padres with Lamette, but, you know, obviously these games have been so close with the Tigers. Uh, at minus 180 for a guy who I don't really expect to pitch more than six innings, right? Um, you know, isn't, isn't really worth it for me here. I haven't loved what I've seen from the Padres' bullpen. Um, you know, obviously some, some injury issues there with the closer. And uh, yeah, I, you know, fully expect this to, you know, probably kind of be a pretty close game uh, after five innings. And I don't really want the minus 180 side, but I'm not going to fade the Padres at this point because again, they at least have, uh, you know, the Rangers have gotten their attention. Let's just put it that way. And so um, that's a, nothing there for me. Um, Cincinnati minus 137 is a play with Sonny Gray against Adam Wainwright. I think Adam, the name of Adam Wainwright probably keeping him, uh, you know, at a relatively short price here when I think Cincinnati and Sonny Gray, given how good Gray has been this season, probably should be a little bit more than that. Probably should be closer to like the minus 150, minus 160 area. Uh, as for the Diamondbacks and the A's, nothing for me there. A bit of a shoddy pitching matchup. You could talk me in to over nine runs, plus 105, and we'll see where I'm at come about 9 p.m. tonight. And if I add it, I will mention it on Twitter. Um, because again, both of these pitchers have struggled to start the season here. 
at minus 145, that's too much for me with Sean Mania. Um, as I think the Diamondbacks are starting to play a lot better baseball here, uh, even if yesterday's result wasn't great for them. Um, and then the Angels and the Giants here. Uh, I grabbed the Giants at, uh, I grabbed them at my, what's going on here? So I grabbed them at minus 117. There is a pitching change. So I'll have to check on whether I did the appropriate level of, um, you know, selecting or deselecting the pitchers for this matchup. I do like Gosman for the Giants. And again, I'll take any opportunity I can to fade the Angels. That worked out for us yesterday. Probably should at least mention that as that was a plus 133 underdog that we cashed to end the night on a on a night that was overall uh, three and a three and three quarters uh, of a unit victory for the good guys in that one, right? So we bounce back in a really big way with the NBA going three and one, hockey two and zero, oh, and the uh, and the baseball ending up up three and three quarters. So more than made up for what was a disappointing. Uh, Tuesday. So uh, it is, you know, Thursday. And so we have to talk a little bit deeper about baseball, you know, got into the picks. So if you don't want to get a little bit deeper into sort of what's gone on over the last week or so, that's fine. We won't talk too, too much about it here because we want to try to keep this show uh, abbreviated today. So as we talk about, uh, you know, what's what's sort of the key factor here for baseball this season of course that's bullpens right if you've been following along here you know that handicapping the bullpen on a broader scale right when we look at teams and the names of teams we don't want to think of their best hitter we don't want to think of their offense we don't even really want to you know, obviously we have to factor in the starting pitcher. Will they go five, six innings and be involved for 55 to 66% of the game? But, you know, the high leverage stuff is in the bullpen. So who are the best bullpens? Um, both sort of big picture for the season. And now we're going to start adding in sort of who had the best week, right? For the first three weeks, it was like that was enough of a sample size where we didn't really need to break it down into, you know, the most recent week. But as we go forward here, we're going to start adding, you know, who made a big move in the last week. So um, no change as far as the counting stats of, you know, how often a team was given a, you know, given their, giving their relief pitcher a lead when he came in, right? So, uh, you know, through three weeks, it was Minnesota, San Diego, and Dodgers the most often with the Mets in fourth, believe it or not. But that shouldn't be that surprising considering that the Mets bullpen spent much of the season just blowing leads for the team and the White Sox. And the only thing that's changed is sort of a shift in that the Dodgers have moved from third up to first. Minnesota's fallen back to second and San Diego's fallen from second down to third. And that shouldn't surprise you all that much. Um, the ones that should surprise you, San Francisco has popped its way up into the sixth spot and Houston the seventh um, or should should say has moved down from sixth to seventh and then you've got New York Yankees and Tampa Bay also in that mix in the top what nine there as for war right wins above a replacement for the bullpens uh, you know last week as of week three through three weeks it was Tampa Bay Los Angeles uh, Dodgers and Oakland uh, with Colorado sort of being that surprise team. Oakland's moved up to the top, right? So they've skipped past LA and dropped Tampa Bay actually has dropped down into the third spot there. Toronto actually bucking their head and, you know, having their bullpen pitch much, much better. And part of that is because their starters aren't pitching as well, right? So it's sort of a seesaw type thing here where at the start of the year, we had some surprisingly good stuff from the Blue Jays bullpen, or excuse me, the Blue Jays starters, and then their bullpen would 
below it. And in this case, it's kind of the opposite where the pen is keeping them in games here over the last uh, you know couple of weeks or so and have them move into the top five. Uh, and then rounding out the top five is Milwaukee. So we're starting to see that bullpen um, succeed here, right? We were kind of wondering where their bullpen was a little bit. Um, and now they're in the top five and they are the only team with three different guys in the top 16 uh, in their bullpen of, uh, of wins above replacement. So three of the top 16, right? That's starting to bode well for Milwaukee. And so not surprisingly over the last week, Milwaukee has had the best bullpen results, right? They are right at the top of the list with Toronto being third, which again, shouldn't be all that surprising. And the Mets actually second, right? So that actually is kind of surprising. Uh, Cleveland, Houston, and the Cubs uh, round that out as well as the Twins for sort of the last seven days, right? So again, no real surprises there. I guess the Cubs probably popping up considering we've been giving them a hard time in that they were fourth last uh, as of three weeks. So again, turning things around a little bit here uh, in the last week, not enough to jump into the top five. Of course, that would be quite the drastic move from worst of, of the five to the top, uh, to top five. And then, uh, you know, right at the bottom of the, uh, the list there, we've got Detroit, Miami, and San Francisco. Um, and that really shouldn't be surprising to anyone. Um, Seattle moves up a little bit out of that sort of bottom zone. Um, but yeah, San Francisco is now the sort of the worst bullpen. Uh, and that being said, I bet on them yesterday and won and bet on them again today. So what could possibly go wrong? Um, as for XFIP, right? Same sort of names, right? Milwaukee, St. Louis is second in bullpen XFIP. But of course that number is, uh, you know, not all that uh, legitimate considering they haven't played that many games. They're starting to crank through games though. Maybe not necessarily innings with all these seven inning uh, double headers. They only play once today, which would be a refreshing change of pace for them. Uh, the White Sox, Dodgers, and Rays, you've heard this all season long, right? Those have been the top bullpens and, you know, continue to be from an ex-FIP standpoint, right? Which measures your fielding independent pitching, um, you know, not having to worry about, you know, some of the external factors when it comes to pitching, stuff that the pitchers can't control that might affect their regular ERA. Uh, Cleveland and Oakland in uh, lingering just outside the top five. That shouldn't be a surprise um, because in the last seven days, Cleveland's had the second best bullpen from an ex-FIP standpoint. Cincinnati actually up at the top and Minnesota in third there as well. Teams that have struggled in the last week, and this should also come as no surprise, of course, San Francisco, as we just talked about. Texas is a bit of a surprise, but again, if you give up a grand slam in extra innings, and we're only talking about seven days worth of baseball, that's going to really jam you up. And actually, their opponent this week, the Padres bullpen, again, shaky shaky at this point and that's been kind of the big story is how shaky the Padres bullpen has been this season a thing a unit that we thought was going to be quite a bit of a strength for them as for our sort of luck index here um, St. Louis Detroit and the Dodgers have been the luckiest team so far so again that's a bit scary for Detroit again I've got a bet on them today sure why not uh, St. Louis of course just talked about the sample size there not being ideal. Dodgers, you know, obviously a great team here, but they're getting all the breaks as well. And I even went over their schedule today, and that thing is as soft as possible, too. I was kind of, you know, underwhelmed um, by their schedule, thinking that they had played a lot of the cupcakes and that their schedule would get harder. And it kind of really doesn't. It really just depends on how 
much better. Uh, for instance, the Diamondbacks play, because I think they've got about seven games against the Diamondbacks still to go. Uh, at any rate, um, we'll see sort of how things go with the NL West here. Uh, luck, you know, unluckiest teams, Tampa Bay, Boston, Pittsburgh, Colorado, and Philly at the bottom there. So again, don't be necessarily afraid to bet on any of those teams with, I would say, the exception of Boston, um, because, you know, that season, given that they're at, what, seven wins right now, can go south in a hurry and you can kind of already hear murmurings uh about that right and so um you know colorado a bit of a surprise being at the bottom of that list too so you know maybe they're a little bit more legit than maybe we're giving them credit for and they've just had a really unlucky week um and you know also sort of make your own luck right so philadelphia being at the bottom of this list pretty much the entire season with the exception of the first week where, you know, everything was kind of thrown together. Uh, you know, so again, that just gives you an idea of sort of who's been kind of pulling it out of their butt, who is not, uh, you know, who could regress or progress. Still don't know exactly how we're supposed to say that. Um, as for, uh, yeah, so that's uh, pretty much it. Baseball, hockey, and basketball. Uh, again, follow along on Twitter for any extra plays there. Uh, as far as golf is concerned, I managed to go through the entire show yesterday and and especially the golf segment and completely forgot about to mention Adam Scott and Patrick Cantlay and Daniel Berger who were three guys that were sort of in that middle tier right I talked about the kind of went down the favorites and then kind of went deep and completely skipped over a segment um, really strong professional work from me there um, did talk about Dustin Johnson and as of this recording he's five under through 13 so I think we're getting top quality Dustin Johnson here this week so maybe if he can come back to the pack or we get a lot of these other guys popping up then maybe there's an opportunity to grab Dustin at, I mean we're never going to see the what 20 some odd to one that he was earlier um, but again follow along for all of that stuff that's it for the show today per usual i'm at mrus authentic on twitter subscribe rate review the podcast please until next time i'll see you at the window <laughs>